Good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. I uh, stood up and yanked my headset clean off, so I'm trying to put myself back together. It is so good to see you this morning. We continue on in our sermon series in the book of Acts. We're asking, can it happen again? Can we turn the world upside down? Can we set the world on fire for Christ like we see the Christians doing in the book of Acts? And I believe, Margaret, we can. Today we're going to talk about perspective. And we're going to be studying in the book of Acts chapter 16. So if you have a Bible... Please open it to Acts 16. If you don't have a Bible, there are some right back here on the back, and you can make one of those your own. They're free. Everything on that back table is free uh, for you to keep, take home, and read and digest. I promised you that we would study a little geography and a little history to put our stories in perspective Because the Bible was written for you, but it wasn't written to you. So it's important that we know what's going on culturally. Where are they at? What are they thinking about? What's setting the tone for each of these stories? Well, we end in chapter 15. And Barnabas and Paul have just got through with the council, and Paul says, hey, at the end of 15, hey, Barnabas, let's go back and let's visit all those places that we've been. And Barnabas says, great, I'll get John Mark. And Paul says, I don't think so. He left us. Remember, right after we left Cyprus, he he left us, and I'm not signing up John Mark again to go with us. And Paul and Barnabas have this disagreement who they should take. And so Barnabas decides he'll take John Mark and go on his way. And then Paul takes buddies up with Silas. And they decide to go back to where they've been. So they take up off the coast, go right up the coast, and to places that they've already been, specifically Derby, Lystra, and Iconium. And there they recruit a new member to the team. Does anybody know who that is? Timothy. And so Timothy comes along and becomes a part of this missionary effort here in these three cities. Now, I find it very impressive that Paul goes back to these cities. Why? Because the last time he was there, he got the snot kicked out of him, right? Matter of fact, they drug him outside the city and stoned him and left him for dead. But that doesn't stop Paul. He's going to preach the gospel anyway. Great perspective in life. I'm going to do God's work no matter what happens to me. And then he goes on up and he goes past Antioch of Pisidia. And he, he tries to go into Asia. He tries to go south. And the Spirit of the Lord stops him. Now when I say Asia, I really mean, when you see in, in verse 16 that he wanted to go into Asia, that's really Asia Minor. Okay? Really, that's the southwest end of what today is Turkey, right? So when you see Asia, don't think the Orient Asia. He's talking about, he's talking about Asia Minor. 
That's the area in the green. And for some reason, the Holy Spirit stops him. And he he says, fine, if I can't go there, I'll just go up into Bithynia, into the region of Bithynia. And the Holy Spirit stops him again. The Spirit of the Lord stops him. So he's already been east, and he's Try, can't go north and he can't go south and you've got to believe that he's a little frustrated and he goes to Troas and he stops there and then he has this, this dream about a man in Macedonia calling him over. Now Macedonia is what we consider the northern part of Greece of today. So he goes across and they land eventually in the town of Philippi. So we start our history. This time that Paul is in Philippi is somewhere around 49 or 50 AD. Okay? Philippi was founded by Philip II of Macedon. Now, in 358 BC, And he really, he developed the city and he built up the city to protect the gold mines around Philippi. So there are many gold mines around Philippi and and you see that Philippi was a wealthy place. Who helped Peter, who gave, or excuse me, who gave money to Paul out of all the churches? Where did the money come from? Philippi. It was the Philippian church that helped sponsor Paul when Paul was in prison. They sent him money. It's always been a wealthy place because of these gold mines. Well, another thing that made it a wealthy place was that it was on the Ignatian Way, or some people call this the Aegean Way. It was a 500-mile road, 490 to be exact, mile road, that interlocked the Black Sea, the Aegean Sea, and the Adriatic Sea. It allowed for the Romans to disperse their armies quickly. And it was a nice paved road. This is a picture of today of the same road. I want you to look at how well it's preserved. And you can just imagine how well it was made to be in this kind of shape today. This is the kind of road that Paul would have walked as he went uh, to the cities in Macedonia. There was the Battle of Philippi in 42 B.C. Caesar, Augustus, and Mark Anthony defeated the armies of Brutus and Cassius. And this really marked the end of the Roman Republic, and started the Roman Empire. This is, this is the battle that kind of decided it, and it happens right outside the city walls of Philippi. Now, Caesar Augustus declares Philippi a Roman colony in 31 B.C., and this has a huge influence on our story today. Uh, some of these influences are they were self-governing, They didn't have to go to Rome to make decisions on things. They were wealthy, and on top of being wealthy because of the gold in that area, they didn't have, because they were a colony, they didn't have to pay the tax to the emperor. 
they had Roman privileges. They could dress in Roman dress. They had the Roman gods and the Roman religions. They had the Latin language that they were allowed to speak, which was the official language in Philippi. They could use Roman currency in their trade, and that was allowed. And they also had the many Roman holidays, which was a big thing. But the most important thing was this, that they had a greatly discounted real estate prices for veterans. You see, if your legion was under the wrong commander or the not politically correct commander, well, that really wasn't your fault, but you might be loyal to them. And the last thing, when these legions were retired, the last thing they want are for these soldiers to go in and live in Rome because that's what they were defending. That's, that's what, that's what they, they had made their whole life about. But you didn't want all these thousands upon thousands of Roman soldiers going back to Rome to live in. So he was smart. And he said, well, I'll give them land at a greatly discounted price in Philippi. They won't have to pay a tax there. They can go there. And even some, if you were high enough ranking, would receive almost free estates if you would go and live in this colony of Philippi. But it also kept a very loyal city, a very loyal colony at a very far distance from the Roman Empire. So what we have here is a city made up of retired soldiers, okay, which has a huge influence on our story today. Perspective, Acts chapter 16. Lance, could I get you get, get ready to uh, turn our lights down? What do I mean by perspective? Paul tells us, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. I do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul's saying, I can get through everything because I have the right perspective. And I've learned that what the circumstances around me don't really influence how I have joy. Because I have joy, I have my value in Christ. And in Christ, I can do all things. He has the right perspective on life. So let me set this video up for you that's going to make my point. This is the New Zealand rugby team uh, in Japan, and the commercial was filmed just to kind of give the rugby team a, a little bit of a, a boost uh, in, in Japan for watching rugby. But as you walk, watch these rugby players run around in Japan, they might not be doing what you first think they're doing. You might need a different perspective on what you see. So keep that in mind as, as we watch this two-minute commercial. Perspective can change everything, right? How we look at things can change everything. 
it did for the manufacturer of this uh, bicycle. This is a motorized mountain bike, okay? So some of you are going, yeah, that's the kind of mountain bike I want to ride. It'll go over 50 miles at a time. The inventors of this had planned on not having any brick-and-mortar stores, but doing their whole business model online over the Internet. And things were going well, except the shippers, the people who were delivering this bike, kept damaging the bike. Because bikes are supposed to be rugged and tough, right? But the thing about this bike is that it has a lot of electronics in this top tube. Matter of fact, that whole top tube is nothing but batteries, lights, and a computer. And inside this area right here, this downward tube, there's a motor inside there that receives its energy from that battery. And really, they're very sturdy if, it's, if it has vertical pressure put on it. But it's pretty delicate side to side. And what was happening was people were seeing that it was a mountain bike and the shippers were not delicate with it. They didn't treat it like it was something fragile. And it was destroying their business model because they couldn't get these bikes from the manufacturing to the end users without them being, being damaged. And so they, the company started to go under. So they looked at other ways of shipping. Maybe they'd go with a different shipper. No, that would cost too much. Well, they looked at packaging. Well, what if we put more padding in? What if we shipped it in a, in a rigid crate? No, that was cost prohibitive and would, would cut into their profit. So finally, what they did was they went to their creative department. And, and this creative genius said, well, the problem is, is how we look at this bike and how we look at the box. And he brought an empty box in with no labeling on it. And he said, what does this look like to you? A box about this wide and about this tall. And everybody said, well, that, that kind of looks like a flat screen TV. And he said, yeah. And nobody will be rough with a flat screen TV. So guess what they did? They relabeled it. Now, they never said that there, was, that there was a flat screen TV inside. All they did was put a picture of a flat screen on the box and put a little fragile sign on it. And guess what? Damages in shipment went down 70 to 80%. All because they relabeled the outside of the box. They changed the perspective of how people looked at the box. Sometimes we need a new perspective on life. And we need to relabel how we think about life going on around us. Join me now, if you would. Chapter 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept from the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Then they came to the border of Myasa. And they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Myasia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us 
to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day, we went on to Neapolis. And from there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, a leading city of the district of Macedonia. And we stayed there for several days. Do you see anything about the tone that changes, the perspective that changes? Luke used to be saying, them, and they did this, and they did that. But suddenly, it changes to what? We and us. Somewhere in this writing, Luke joins them at Troas, and the first-person perspective changes from then on. Now, we have four guys. We have Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke traveling as companions in this mission. A new perspective on closed doors. We need to have a new perspective on closed doors. We need to relabel redirection, or excuse me, rejection as redirection. If you're going to evangelize, if we're going to turn the world upside down, then we're going to have to look differently at rejection. If you're going to do the work of the Lord, I can tell you that you're going to try to do things, and sometimes they're going to fail. And sometimes people are going to reject it. Paul wanted to go south. The Lord didn't, didn't allow him to. He wanted to go north. The Spirit wouldn't let him. Now, we don't know what those things were. Maybe it was a vision. Maybe he spoke audibly to Paul. We don't know. But one way or the other, where he wanted to go didn't work out, and he was stopped. But Paul didn't give up. Paul just redirected. He waited to see where there was an opening, and as soon as there was an opening, he took off for Macedonia. We read on. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we were expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart and responded to Paul's message. When she and the members of her, whole, of her household were baptized, she invited them to her house. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded them. Some things that we can take away from this scripture is that Lydia is wealthy, okay? She's a wealthy lady and she's dealing in uh, the purple dye. And we see that she's an upward mobile probably wealthy woman, we can conclude that if she invites four guys into her household to take care of them, she probably had the size of the house and the means to take care of them when they come and stay with her. Also, purple dye is very expensive. It's taken from shellfish. But we also see here that she was a worshiper of God, which means that she was not a proselyte. She was not a Jewish proselyte. Okay? She couldn't be and keep her job because Jews can't have anything to do with shellfish, right? 
So she likes what she sees in Yahweh. She likes what she sees in this, this Jewish God, but she's not, she's not completely converted over to him. But she's seeking God. That may be one of the reasons that Paul received the vision to go to Macedonia, right? Is so that he, this woman who is seeking God, God is finding a way, making a way, providing a way for her to be saved. And she responds to Paul's message. And not just her, her whole household. Because she's seeking God. And any time people are seeking God, God's going to find a way for them to get to know them. Verse 16. Once we were going to the place of prayer where we were met by a female slave who had a spirit which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are the servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that very moment, the Spirit left her. This woman is a slave both physically and spiritually, right? One thing I'd like to point out here is how how we declare the Lord, how we witness to people can be just as important as what we say. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? Because I've been in churches where people declared Jesus king, but they did it in such an ugly, mean-spirited, hateful way that it was actually a turnoff. So you can declare truth and still be offensive, and that's what this woman was doing. Her witness was not helping Paul because of the way she was doing it give you an example have you ever been to bikes blues and barbecue and you're walking up and down the street and you're listening to music and you're buying stuff that probably you really don't want to eat if you knew what was in it and there's this guy walking around holding a a sign and he's saying screaming out repent repent Or there's somebody who's got a cross and they're walking around with a cross and they're screaming out, accept Jesus, accept Jesus. Folks, how we witness is is as important as what we're witnessing to, right? We need to make sure that when we tell the story of Jesus, we're doing it with compassion and love, and empathy, and humility. Back to this poor young lady. Because of the Greek words used here, she's probably in her early teens. She's owned by someone. She's a slave spiritually, 
to a demon and a slave physically to men. And she's controlled. She's discounted in her life because she has given her life over to outside influences. And they are taking advantage of her. I love the fact that these two women are told back to back in this story in chapter 16. I think Luke is trying to communicate something to us. Don't miss this. Luke, first of all, points out this upward, mobile, got-it-together woman who's a businesswoman, who's seeking God, and she finds Christ. And then over here, we have this woman who is a demonic, future-telling slave. And her life is a mess. And she's distraught and controlled by outside forces. Right? And Luke is trying to communicate to you this morning. Both of them can be saved by the power of Christ. Both of them can be set free and live in Christ by the power of Christ. Now this morning, you may identify with that upward, mobile, successful person that Lydia was. Or you may identify with being under the control of something outside forces in your life, like drugs or alcohol, or a hang-up hang or a habit that you've lost control over your life because you've given control to something else and you're being now discounted and looked down upon and disregarded and abused in life. I don't know where you are in life or you may be in the middle you may look like you've got everything together and really on the inside you're messed up like this young lady. And Luke is trying to communicate to you this morning that in Christ all can be set free. In Christ you can regain control over your life. In Christ you can be saved. We need sometimes a new perspective on disappointments. Can you imagine Paul? Paul wanted to go places and preach the word. And the Spirit said, no. And he gets a vision to go to Macedonia. There's a guy over there calling him. And so Paul is anticipating I'm going to go over and I'm, I'm going to walk into the synagogues and they're going to be looking for me. And we're going to set the world on fire because Macedonia is just waiting on it. Just let me tell you about this vision I had. They just can't wait till we get over there to help them. And then they end up in Philippi. 
Philippi, a Roman colony. When he goes there, there's no synagogue, which means that there was probably not even 10 Jewish men in the town. The rule was if you had 10 Jewish devout men in town, you could build a synagogue. It doesn't appear that there's a synagogue in Philippi at this time. How disappointing for Paul. Because his normal tactic, his normal tactic is to go to the synagogue, start talking about the resurrected Christ as the Messiah, and then branch out from there with some followers into the Gentile population and bring people to Christ. But when he gets to Philippi, there's not even a synagogue. But what he does find is a very Roman rule. What he finds is a hostile situation. There's no synagogue. There's no man at all. All he can find are these women sitting beside the river praying and trying to know God. We need to relabel sometimes. Don't confuse, don't confuse unchanging goals with changeable tactics. Don't confuse unchanging goals with unchangeable, or excuse me, don't confuse unchanging goals with the changeable tactics. You see, what Paul had been doing didn't work in Philippi. He had to change his tactics. He had to move in a different crowd and try different things. We in the church really could learn a lesson from that. You know, back in the 60s and the 70s, it was real popular and very effective to walk around and knock on doors and hand people tracks, wasn't it? How many of you here have been a part of knocking on doors and handing out tracks? Yeah, a lot of us. And it was successful. I've seen my parents do it and bring people to Christ. But somewhere in the 80s, that started changing. But we didn't. We still thought knocking on doors and passing out tracts were going to convert people. And the growth of the church went stagnant and has been stagnant for the last 16 years. Actually, for the last eight years, it has gone down like 0.2%. Maybe because we didn't change our tactics Maybe we need to rethink how we evangelize people because we know, we know today what's successful. What's successful today is for me to develop a relationship with someone and then start speaking about Christ. Personal evangelism. Getting involved with people's lives changes people's lives and they want to know what do you have? What brings you to this joyous place in your life? And then we can witness for Christ. And that's very successful. Verse 19. Then her owners realized that they were, their hope of making money was gone. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews, 
And they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for, for us, the Romans, to accept or practice. Now, at the same time, Caesar has kicked all the Jews, expelled all the Jews from Rome. Okay? Anti-Semitism is going crazy. These guys could care less that they're Jews. They just want them punished because they lost their income. They lost their way of taking advantage of this young lady. So they're pu pushing the political hot button for the day. They're rallying a riot. You ever get one of those calls, elders, rallying a riot? You pick up the phone. There's a bunch of us down at the church, and we're really upset. I really want to tell you, we're upset about this, or we're upset about that. And there's these people, and they're really upset too. And the elder has enough calmness to say, well, who's really upset? Well, a bunch of people. Well, really, who's upset? Well, me and Mama. But this, you see this all the time, people wanting to make a big deal, and they're not being truthful to why they're upset in the first place, right? They're inciting a riot because they personally have been hurt with their power and their control and their way of making money. The crowd joined in in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates. Of course they did, right? Who are these people that are in this town? They're retired Roman soldiers. You start pointing a finger and saying these people are trying to break Roman law and Roman rules. What, are the, what do you think the crowd's going to do? They joined in. Oh, you, can't, you can't break Rome. You can't break down our rule. You can't break down the Roman way of life. They joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Now, these rods, they're about as big around as your thumb. Well, maybe they're about as big around as Wayne's thumb. Mine's a little small. But they were just big enough that you could tie these rods together, and you could beat someone with it. And the thought was, Mike, that I could hit you with this rod and it was round enough on the end to create an impact point that could open your skin and cause a lot of pain but wouldn't dig way down deep into your skin and completely kill you. So they would beat these men with these rods and Luke adds they were severely beaten. You could open up the entire back of someone without going too deep that you might cut an artery and bleed to death. But you could do a lot of damage with these. They were thrown into prison and the jailer commanded them to guard them carefully. Now I want you to look at the brutality of this jailer. He's told to, to watch these guys carefully. But what does the jailer do? He received these orders and put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. This guy's a bully right? That's the way I see him. He's a biff. He's a bully. He, he doesn't have to put them 
into this inner area. They're not high-risk criminals accused of murder. They don't even have real, any, any real cause to be in. But this guy, he puts them into the inner cell. Now, to give you an idea, there were outside walls to a Roman jail. And then there was the outer cells, which were a little higher. And then the inner cell, which you had to go through another set of walls and another set of gates. And these were usually dug down deep. And they didn't allow any light in. And they were dark and cold. And there was no indoor plumbing. And human waste goes down, flows down. So to give you an idea, Biff here sticks them into stocks, with their feet into stocks, with a heavy piece of lumber over the top. They can't roll right or left. They're probably sitting in human filth. Their backs are completely opened to wounds. And if they lay back... They can't sleep because of the pain. They can't do anything but go forward. And then about midnight, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. At about midnight... When's your darkest hour? When do your worries come? When do you become fretful and panicked? When is your dark time? When stress and anxiety overwhelms you? At about midnight, I can just see Silas there in the stocks. Remember that one, Paul? I can't remember the words to that. You remember that, Paul? How did that song go? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but holy lean. And then Paul goes, yeah, I remember that one. And together they start singing. When darkness fills his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And the whole prison is listening. In their darkest hour, these two men turn a prison into a chapel. 
and everyone is listening to them praising God. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. You see, the jailer was making his choices in the dark. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? When we try to make decisions in the dark, outside of Christ's light, we're going to make some really bad decisions, and they're going to break us and crush us because we don't have the right perspective on things. But when we're worshiping, when we're worshiping, it backs us off when we have the right perspective. This man asked, what is it, Paul, that you've got that I don't have what must I do to be saved? Sometimes we get too close to things and we can't get the right perspective, right? What if you saw these coming over a hillside in your neighborhood? Coming towards you. Would you panic? Would you run? This is just a close-up of dandruff mites on your pillow. They're microscopic. See, when we don't have the right perspective, it looks awful. Things are terrible looking. How about this one? I can just see, oh, don't, Lewis, don't get too close to that hole. You fall in there. Oh, that'd be terrible if you fell in there and you find out it's an iris of the human eye. How about this one, Mike? Man, I've seen this Stephen King movie. These terrible things that look like Pac-Man and they're running all over the place and they're eating everybody. And then you find out, well, this is the, just the suction cups of a tiny little fluorescent squid. Just the suction cups on the end of their tentacles, magnified. Or how about this one? Oh, I've seen this movie, Keith. This is Aliens. What comes out of one of those eggs as a monster pops up, sucks your whole face off. I've seen that movie. That's awful. And then you learn, no, that's the magnification of a strawberry. See, when we're too close, it looks terrible. It looks awful. We don't have the right perspective. But when we worship, that backs us away from all of our fears all of our anxieties, and we start to see this new perspective of Christ and God working in our lives. The jailer called for lights. He sees they're all there, and he wants to know, Paul, what do you got that I don't have? 
that allows you to stay put even when you could have ran away. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your whole household. They spoke the word of the Lord to them and to all those in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them in and washed their wounds. You see, he repents. He believes. He repents. He changes his attitude. He changes his ways. And then immediately, he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Do you see the influence that these people have on coming to Christ? Not only in themselves, but over their whole household. If we could just evangelize our whole household, those we work with, those who are in our friendship circle, those who are in our families. If they could just see us coming to Christ and living these compassionate lives where we're busy in washing people's wounds and restoring people back to the godly value that God wants them to have. Our new perspective is on suffering and tragedy. If there's anything that we need to look at through a new perspective, it's suffering and tragedy that happens in our lives. Suffering, we need to look at suffering as a time to grow our spiritual maturity. If you want to be used, you must expect to be bruised. Paul tells the Philippians, these same people, do you remember, do you think maybe when he wrote this letter and it arrived with the, to the Philippian church, do you wonder, was the jailer in the crowd? Was Lydia in the crowd? Was the slave girl in the crowd that heard this read to the Philippian church? For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. You see, Paul understood suffering for Christ that gave you maturity. It, it was something to look forward to. It was even a privilege to suffer for Christ. Renee Sletford says, most of, us want to be, most of us want to do the kinds of things Paul did without having to go through the kinds of things Paul went through, and it doesn't work that way. Next time you're suffering, next time you have tragedy in your life, next time it's that midnight hour, remember that trials, tragedy, and suffering in your life can have a positive outcome. New perspective on suffering and tragedy. Folks, meaningful worship with the body of Christ is one of the greatest 
perspective changers available. Amen? Tonight, you're going to have a chance to get together with the body of Christ in small groups. And i got to tell you, one of the greatest things about this worship, Don, is you and I telling each other's story and how we got through those midnight times in our life and how we found a way in Christ to make it through the suffering and the tragedy. And that's one of the most uplifting things to share in our story and in our lives in small groups. If you're not taking advantage of that, I want, you, I want to encourage you to do that. To take on a, a new perspective in your life. To come to Christ. If you haven't repented of your sins, put Christ on as in baptism. And, and aren't living a life of the kingdom people. Why not, why not do that today? Why not make that part of your life today and have a whole new perspective on life so you can enjoy being in Christ? And it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you might be a Lydia and have everything together. Or you might be a slave to outside forces like our slave girl. But in Christ, he can change you and your whole life. And give you a complete new perspective. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God,